How's about we write some more stories? How's about we tell some more tales? Gather round the fire, maybe read for just a while, and we'll listen to the stories unveiled. Oh, we'll see if we succeeded writing stories no one needed from suggestions that you shared. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the S'more Stories podcast. My name is Colby McHugh, and this is our second installment of Story Spotlights, which is essentially my excuse to talk about specific stories a little more in depth and discover what makes a great story. If you haven't already, go back and listen to my previous episodes so you can see which stories our guests have chosen to highlight, because there's some real gold in their recommendations. On our last Story Spotlight episode, I briefly discussed the idea of songs as stories, and used a song by my favorite band to illustrate that concept. For this episode, I wanted to talk about something that I've discussed a few times throughout our episodes, and that is, of course, the comic book medium. Now, I'll be the first to admit I am very biased here, and I'm just going to let that bias cook for a bit, because I realize there aren't that many people that care about this medium of storytelling. So if you'd allow me to preach the good word of comics for a few minutes, I think you'll come away with an appreciation for something new. Having grown up with an imagination that was always expressed through action figures and Lego sets, uh, it made sense that I'd latch on to superhero comics as a kid, and I absolutely loved them. There was a used bookstore right next to the school that I attended, and my very gracious mom would give me a dollar after a grueling day of elementary school and let me browse the rows of long boxes filled with used comics for what seemed like hours while she sat in the car reading. (laughs) Thank you for the patience, Mom. Uh, I still have all those old comics in a box somewhere, now ready to be handed down to my nephews, who love superheroes themselves. Truly, they're the gift that keeps on giving. But I think it's important to give a shout-out to the Book Nook out in Lilburn, Georgia, for developing my love of stories at an early age. They're still open, too, so if you are ever out in the suburbs of Atlanta, go hit them up. Book Nook. uh, Great store. As I've gotten older, I've realized more as to why I got so attached to comics. In college, I had no clue what I wanted to study, so I chose film, because in high school, I mostly abandoned comics and, in my mind, kind of outgrew them in favor of a more mature and cooler choice in film. And don't get me wrong, I still love movies, but so do a lot of people, and that's not what this episode is about. Comics are, in my opinion, the perfect union of words and physical art done on a much smaller scale than film and TV with far fewer creators involved. So while I was taking film classes in college, I realized a couple things. First, I wound up taking a dramatic writing course that really made me understand that writing and storytelling were something I wanted to pursue, regardless of my lack of experience in actually doing it. Second, I discovered an entire world of comics outside of superheroes and Marvel and DC and all that. A world that I didn't know existed in my sheltered childhood. I found Image, Dark Horse, Vertigo, and lots of other independent comics publishers that created stories of literally every single genre. Sci-fi, horror, comedy, romance, whatever kind of story you might want, it exists in the comic book world. And that was a whole new revelation for young, college-aged Colby. Combine that with the Wild West of torrenting from a decade ago, and I had access to an entire catalog of stuff that I never knew existed. It was amazing, but I don't want to promote torrenting, specifically that of comic books, because I believe that creators should be paid for their works, and in the world of comics, 
Margins are so small that torrenting and pirating them can really hurt a series and cause it to be canceled. That said, I didn't know any better when I was 20 years old and also happened to be very, very broke, so I dove headfirst into the quote-unquote adult comics for the first time and got hooked all over again just like when I was a kid reading superhero books. One of those first serious books that hooked me was called Why the Last Man, written by Brian K. Vaughn with art by Pia Guerra, and it fully blew my mind in every way. Amazing story, really consistent visual storytelling, great dialogue, it had everything. Importantly, this was also the first time I'd ever actually known the writer and artist for a series. And that may sound stupid now, but it just never occurred to me growing up that real people made these books that I love so much, and each creator has a unique voice and style that I can now recognize after reading them for so many years. So this was a big realization for me, and an even bigger step in discovering my passion for the medium. Fast forward a little bit, and I got a part-time job, started buying single issues again at real-world comic shops, not the old used bookstores that I know and love, and I began following along with multiple current ongoing series for the very first time. And that was really, really exciting. Remember, when I got into comics as a kid, I was just buying random old used issues with no idea for continuity or story or narrative. I just liked cool action and characters. And at that time in the industry, a new series had just launched by the same writer as Why the Last Man that was making waves all around the internet. This series was described as a sprawling sci-fi space opera, and I was so incredibly in immediately. <laughs> and that leads us to the subject of today's Story Spotlight episode. Thank you for your patience in letting me get here. <laughs> that series is, of course, called Saga, written by Brian K. Vaughn and art done incomparably by Fiona Staples. To put it simply, Saga is one of the biggest success stories in the comic book world since it began a full decade ago. And if you're already a fan of comics, you're probably rolling your eyes right now thinking that I should have picked a deeper cut or something more indie or whatever. And I get it. I love independent comics so much and truly do want to spread their love, but I want to use this episode as a way for people who don't necessarily love comics to get introduced to them in a really fantastic way. So let's get into Saga. In this episode, we'll dive into its publication history, the creators behind the curtain, and its impact on the world of comics as a whole. And hopefully, you'll come away with a great recommendation that could potentially introduce you to the welcoming world of comics. Okay, it's not always so welcoming. Nerds can be mean and, frankly, terrible sometimes, but I am not one of them. Gatekeepers are the worst, and I want you to sprint through that gate and never look back. Saga's first issue published way back in March of 2012, if you can remember that far. The setup for the story itself is a deceptively simple one, which is honestly the best way to start a comic. It's a sci-fi fantasy tale about a husband and wife named Alana and Marco, who met during a galactic war their respective planets have been locked into for years. They have a child together, Hazel, and were shown Hazel literally being born in the opening pages of the book. It's an iconic way to start a comic, truly. This birth sets in motion the entire conflict that sits at the heart of the story. The two sides of this violent war hate each other, and once word gets out that a child has been born of the union between Alana and Marco, both sides set out to find these newly declared fugitives and their horrible hybrid child. Just kidding. Hazel is actually very, very cute, and I don't even like kids that much. Saga is a sprawling story that introduces so many elements, 
But that's the basic setup. Mercenaries, journalists, ex-fiancés, in-laws, a cat that can detect lies called Lying Cat, and much more stand in their way as Alana, Marco, and Hazel just want to live their lives in peace. And that's all you need to know to get started. Currently, Saga is still going with 61 issues published and plenty of collected volumes of all different sizes, so you can get started however you want. I started buying the single issues back in the day, but it got a bit too expensive for me, so I personally prefer the collected volumes, sometimes referred to as trade paperbacks. But there are options for everyone, even if you want to read digitally. As mentioned before, this story was originally conceived by Brian K. Vaughn, who I can safely say has become my all-time favorite writer, not just from Saga, but from his other works like Why the Last Man, Pride of Baghdad, Ex Machina, and Paper Girls, among many others. Surprisingly, he studied film at NYU, which makes me feel like there's hope for those of us who studied film in college and realized that we actually cared about writing and comics in the process. Vaughn got started in his comics career with Marvel after participating in the Stanhattan Project in college, which was a class designed by Marvel as a pipeline to writing comics. And yes, I am devastated I never got the chance to take a class like this because it sounds, frankly, amazing. And after working within the Marvel and DC industries for much of the mid-2000s, Vaughn decided he wanted to actually own the characters and stories he created, something that those big two companies explicitly don't allow. So he began working with other publishers like Vertigo and Wildstorm for a few different series before finally pitching the idea of Saga to Image Comics. Standing in direct opposition to Marvel and DC, Image explicitly is creator-owned, which allows the writers and artists to retain the rights to their work and make actual money if their creations get adapted into film and television. Speaking of television, Vaughn also has a bit of experience working in that world, beginning by joining the writer's room for Lost midway through the series, mostly on the merits of his Why the Last Man story. A few years later, he was handpicked by Stephen King to be the showrunner for the television adaptation of Under the Dome, but left after the first season, realizing that he much preferred the world of comics. It was around this time that Vaughn was introduced to artist Fiona Staples through a mutual writer friend who had worked with her on a previous comic book called Mystery Society, which I've read. Mystery Society is awesome. Check it out. Staples is Canadian, joining a large swath of artists and writers that hail from our neighbors to the north. She's from Calgary and studied at the Alberta College of Art and Design. She had some work in the comics industry before being approached by Brian K. Vaughn for Saga because he loved her artwork and style so much. Staples is an equal creator on Saga with Vaughn and plays a huge part in both the plot and visual storytelling of the book. She also had a hand in relaunching a new Archie Comics series back in 2015, providing art and redesigned characters for a few issues. So now that we've met both of the creators behind Saga, let's discuss exactly what they bring to the table and what makes this such an iconic book. With Brian K. Vaughn, again, my favorite writer, so many of his strengths come from his characters and dialogue. Of course, Saga has a ton of great sci-fi fantasy world building, but I think what really sets this story apart is how he's able to create grounded characters in a very not grounded world. And I mean that literally. There's actual magic in this story. There's all sorts of different alien races and characters and planets that I never thought could be visually rendered in comic book form. But the connections and threads formed through the way that these characters interact and speak is where the real power is. His characters don't speak like typical sci-fi protagonists with lofty monologues and scientific jargon. Nope. They speak like us in more conversational words. So, They feel familiar while also literally being out of this world. 
They cuss. They talk about shitting. They have sex. Yes, there is lots of sex in this book. It's not for kids. Just, just got to throw that out there. But having these real-life topics of conversation during a story about an intergalactic war between a race of humanoids with horns and another race of humanoids with wings really grounds these characters in a reality that we can relate to. And that's how the audience is able to latch onto these characters and really care when terrible things happen to them. And lots of terrible things happen in this story, but so do a lot of beautiful things too. You'll definitely laugh and you will definitely cry. It's, it's sprawling, truly. And that's just a part of what makes Saga the comics giant that it is. The other part is, of course, Fiona Staples' singular art style. She brings so much to the comic, not only doing the interior art for every single issue that has been released so far, currently sitting at 61, but also doing every single cover as well, which is such an important aspect of drawing in readers' eyes on the racks. And Saga always has some of the most eye-catching covers, thanks to Staples. But it doesn't stop there. She also does the colors for the comic as well, which is a bit unusual in the industry. Most of the time, there's a separate artist brought in to do the coloring. So the fact that Staples does it herself just adds so much to her plate issue after issue. It's an insane amount of work for a single person to do. And the fact that there hasn't ever been a fill-in artist for even one issue really shows what Staples brings to the table. Another underrated aspect of comic book art or sequential storytelling to get academic on your asses, is the acting of characters, which Fiona Staples is an absolute master of. Not only is she able to create completely unique spaceships, wild alien races, and vibrant planetary environments to fit any number of scenarios, Staples is also able to convey with pretty pinpoint accuracy what a character is feeling simply from the way that she illustrates their face. That is acting in comics, and not a skill that every artist is able to achieve, which is another reason why Fiona Staples is one of the best in the biz. If a character is feeling glee or rage or even something as subtle as guilt, we can see it on that character's face. I'd even be willing to bet that if we were to look at a single page from Saga, take away all the dialogue, we'd still have a pretty good sense of the emotions of a scene simply from the acting that Staples imparts on these characters. It's really incredible stuff. So what we're really looking at with Saga is two creators who are equal parts owners of the comic that are working at the absolute height of their powers. And remember when I said earlier that comics are the ultimate collaboration of words and art? Saga is the ultimate version of that, in my opinion. And because of that, I think it's the perfect introduction to the medium of comics as a whole. That said, Saga is not necessarily for everyone. It's very R-rated due to things like language, nudity, sex, violence, you know, all the good stuff. Fiona Staples illustrates countless images that both disturb and fascinate me in so many ways, and that's honestly refreshing to see in comics. So while I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for kids, I think the vast majority of readers will find something to love about Saga. Except for evangelicals, because they've been trying to get it banned pretty much since it debuted, which, you know, is that even shocking anymore? Of course not. On that same note, even in a story involving almost exclusively non-humans, there is still tons of representation, which is incredibly important not just in comics, but all media. Whether by sexual orientation, skin color, gender, these two creators very clearly care about representation and constantly make efforts to ground these ungrounded characters in ways that we recognize and appreciate. 
What I love about Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughn's approach with Saga is that they set out to create the most comic booky comic book of all time. And by that I mean they purposefully tried to create a story that had zero plans to be adapted into film or television. And frankly, I don't even think it's possible to adapt Saga in any proper way, so it's safe to say that they did their job very, very well. And they specifically work not to burn themselves out with each story arc. They complete five to six issues per arc, then take a break to recover and get ahead again. And that strategy has worked fantastically for them, as each story arc functions perfectly as a collected volume or a trade paperback, almost like individual chapters of a much larger story. It's so rare for a creative team to have this much consistency and planning and actually have it work. Saga has won more awards than I can count, so I'm definitely not alone in my love for the comic. And I know, I know, this is an audio format, so it's hard to fully describe how physical art might look just by describing it to you. So I'll post a few of my favorite pages and panels to the S'more Stories Instagram, so be sure to check that out, or you could just Google it yourself, just saying. And don't worry, I won't spoil any story stuff with my post, I promise. So where do we go from here? That's a great question. I think the answer falls to you, the listener. Maybe you've got a passing interest in the sci-fi genre. Maybe I've piqued your curiosity about the comic book medium with my strong literary vocabulary. Or hey, maybe you just love looking at cool art. If you are a yes on any of those, let me let you in on a little secret. Libraries have tons of comics that you can check out for free. So you don't even have to spend a single cent to read some amazing books. Big shout out to libraries. We always want to support libraries. I've checked out tons of comics from them throughout the years. And of course, if you are not like me and have real disposable income, it's always better to buy directly from the creators whenever possible. Going to conventions is a great way to not only discover tons of new artists and writers, but also to buy stuff right there from them at their booth. Plus, you get to chat with them. And more often than not, these are some of the absolute nicest people I have ever met. There's no wrong way to consume comics, whether you want to own the physical book, save your shelf space and read digitally, or some combination of both, which is what I do. Technology has finally caught up to the medium, so options are really endless. There's even web comics, which I don't have much experience with, but I'm super interested in checking them out. If anyone listening is curious for more comic book discourse, or has any questions about Saga or any other comic book, shoot me a DM. Maybe you're annoyed with me that I picked Saga over something else and you want different recommendations. There is truly nothing I love more than talking about comics. And this has already been one of the most fun episodes I've ever recorded. So seriously, hit me up. I'm not busy. Now, I want to end this episode by letting you hear from the creators themselves because I know you're sick of hearing my voice, and, and frankly, I am too. But before we get there, I just want to remind everybody that you too can have your own Story Spotlight episode on whatever story you want. That's right, I'll do an episode on anything because I love this format so much. All you need to do is Venmo me $10, let me know what story you want, and your Story Spotlight episode is on its way. Like I said last episode, I'll continue to create and record these Spotlight episodes either way because I love a good deep dive, so no hard feelings, but the option is there for you just in case. If you're interested, my Venmo is Colby-McHugh, and I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Okay, here are Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Not in person. What, what, what kind of budget do you think I have? No, these are these are clips um, that I have found uh, of them speaking uh, about Saga and and just in general about their process a little bit as well. So I will let them play us out. Um, but thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for listening and stay toasty out there.
Each book I work on is just cheap therapy, where I'm struggling with some issue going on with myself or the world, so... Yeah, Saga was basically the terror and joy and excitement of becoming a parent. But realizing, like, if you try and describe that to other people, like, you just watch their eyes glaze over, and no one wants to hear you talk about your boring kids, so... By setting in this sort of grand space opera universe, I was hoping to sort of give you the feeling of what it's like to create something. So, yeah, each book is just born out of, where's something weird that's going on inside of me that I want to talk about, and how can I trick people into subsidizing my therapy? I think fiction used to always be about preparing us for the worst things in life, and death obviously being the, the hardest, losing your loved ones or your own life, but... Uh, so fiction always involved. Every Shakespeare play has how many people dying in it. It's only within the last few years sort of our fiction has been controlled by major corporations that there's this desire, well, we can't kill off these characters. We have to sort of keep them alive for a new generation, and death has sort of been neutered in our fiction, so uh, I don't think I'm doing anything new or inventive. I'm just doing what we used to do, which is just tell stories that had real stakes that you would fall in love with characters and then lose them forever. That used to be common, so um, I'm just doing it the old school way. Uh, well, from the very beginning, I could tell that it was going to be a good collaboration and like a close partnership because one of the first things Brian asked me was, what do I like to draw? What do I hate to draw? <laughs> uh, before he even wrote the first script, he asked me that. So uh, I really got the feeling he respected me as a collaborator, which is a really, really great feeling and not something that you always get. So I appreciate that very much. Um, and that's why it's been wonderful to work with him. Uh, you know, he always asks for my ideas and uh, sometimes I'll just send him something that I've designed, like a little character and say, hey, can this, can this go in Saga? I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, it was something that I had sort of felt already, um, you know, without either of us saying it, I felt like the book is like a dialogue between the two of us, where he writes the script, like, to me, <laughs> and then I do, and my art is like the reply. Uh, first of all, I love animation, but I don't think I, would, I could be an animator. Uh, I have a lot of respect for animators. I think they're, you know, they're like the Navy SEALs of the art world, <laughs> the hardest working and the best trained, but... Uh, it takes so many people to create the finished product, and it takes it's so much work to get there. Comics are easy in comparison. You know, it only takes one or two people to make a comic book, and uh, you basically are in charge of everything from the inception of the idea to the final product. So there's the artist has a degree of control in comics that they don't have in in many other media. S'more Stories is brought to you by the Indiesaurus Podcast Network, which is home to not just one great podcast, but tons of them. Maybe you're in the mood for a, let's say, a Hamtaro watch-along podcast. How about a show that's doing a detailed deep dive into the famed Left Behind book series? Well, you're in luck with Ham Radio and I Survived the Rapture, just two of the many great shows on the Indiesaurus Podcast Network. And oh yeah, The Cellar Dwellers is on there too. Follow us on Instagram at Pod or Colby McHugh. I'll reach out on there for topics periodically, so be sure to submit your best and weirdest. And if you want to follow along with the episodes, feel free to send any stories you've written to s'morestoriespod at gmail.com. Whether you want notes or just someone to put eyes on a story, send it my way. Music and lyrics by Evan McHugh 
whose great songs can be found anywhere and everywhere. Go buy them. Logo design by Brittany Wyland, whose work can be found at mess.and.magic on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everyone, and stay toasty.